Hello and welcome to Compulsive Reader Talks. I'm Magdalena Ball and I'd like to begin by acknowledging that I am coming to you today from the unceded lands of the Awabakal people and to pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Um, today's guest, K.A. Rees, or Kate, is a writer of poetry and short fiction. Kate's been published by Margaret River Press, Cordite, Australian Poetry, Overland, um, the Review of Australian Fiction, Spine, Spineless Wonders, Yellow Busha Review, and many others. I won't list them all. Uh, she has received a Varuna Fellowship for her manuscript of short stories and was shortlisted for the 2016 Judith Wright Poetry Award. We'll talk about that more later. Uh, and was the recipient of the 2017 Barry Hanna Prize in Fiction, as well as being a runner-up in the 2018 Peter Cowan Short Story Award. Um, and the national winner of the 2019 Joanne Burns Micro Award. Uh, I'll also ask you to read that poem later. <laughs> so Kate's debut poetry collection, Come the Bones, was published late last year as a Flying Island pocketbook and is the subject of today's conversation. Kate, welcome. Thanks so much, Maggie. It's great being here with you. Oh, well, virtually anyway. Yes, virtually, but it'll have to virtually. do. Hopefully not too long That's now, it. given that we're more or less open. Um, so just tell me a little bit about how the Come the Bones came together as a collection. I'm always interested in that. I know, you know, we sit down and we, we write individual poems, but there's always a point, isn't there, where you're starting to think instead of um, individual poems of the collection as a cohesive whole. So how did that happen with Come the Bones? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because being a first collection, I suppose, uh, my process with this was that I was just writing poems and sending them out, as we often do, um, and trying to send them to journals that I was interested in and sometimes um, responding to prompts, um, other times not, not themed particularly. And so it sort of started like that. But there's also poems in here that I just wrote for my own my own sake, my own fancy, my own interests. So, you know, it was a combination of those things. And then, of course, when you when someone says to you, you have you got a manuscript, you sort of rumble through all the piles of paper and pull something together and then look at it and think, oh, well, does this say anything? Or what in particular does it say? Um, so I don't think because of the poems written over quite a few years, they sort of, um, I suppose they have themes running through them, the themes that I'm interested in. in um, there is a bit of an eco-poetry theme to the whole collection. Um, and there's, you know, but it's not just one thing. I think it's, it's too, there's too many different things happening in the collection to say that it's, it's, it's either eco-poetry or it's, you know, mainly lyric poetry or anything like that. So yeah, these labels can be a little reductive as well, even though it's, it's nice yeah. for a reader to have these containers to, I guess, lenses to view the work through, you know, there are always a million things at once, which is the joy of poetry, isn't it? That's right. And I think, you know, with your first collection too, um, you know, especially with this one, I, I often included work that had been previously published. So as I mentioned before, you know, some of those poems may have been responding to a particular prompt 
from a journal call out. Um, other poems were just written just for, for interest's sake or from a something, you know, often you go for a walk, you might see something, you'll scribble a note down and, you know, over the coming months, um, something will come from that a poem will be um, generated from that germ of an idea, that kernel of thought. So, yeah, there's different ways think po poems come about um, and, you know, the actual process of the collection. I don't think it was, it was really just more, you know, what I collected over the years and put it together and then pulled it as you do, you know, you've probably done this yourself, you know, you throw all the poems on the floor or somewhere where you've got some space on the bed or, you know, somewhere where the cat's not going to knock them over and the kids not going to run through them. And um, so there was a bit of that when I actually had to figure out what the final reading of the collection would be from the perspective of a reader, um, which is obviously different from when you're just writing a poem, you, well, again, because it's a first collection, I, I didn't have to think about any of that when you just write a poem because you feel like writing a poem. So, and there's a certain joy in that as well. So, um, yeah. That's kind of the way that it came about. It was quite, it's something that it continued over many years. Mm. Yeah, I mean, as a reader, I always find it interesting, though, like if I read an individual poem, and, and some of these I had actually read um, online or in various other instances, you know, when you're reading a lot, you, you always come into contact with them, um, you know, the work of people. Um, and, and then you, you know, I love them. And, and so I thought, oh, Oh, here's K.A. Reese again, you know, um, here's another poem that I really like. And you start to almost build this sense of a, um, a poet and their, their overall thrust or the way the work comes together or how much you like it every time you come across them. But again, when you see the work in a collection, I often find that, you know, again, as a reader, my appreciation of the individual poems changes um, because I'm starting to see them. They're almost informed by the poems that they're next to. They become mm. different in a way in the collection. Were you surprised when you when you saw the finished book, you know, when you actually held this little, lovely little book in your hands and, and, and kind of started to get a sense of it as an artifact um, that it was different from the individual poems? Were you kind of surprised about how that felt to look at it and see it I mean, being your first collection? Yeah. I suppose it's difficult to, even when the poems are on the floor and there is a lot of that, you know, moving poems around. Um, I did that over many weeks, many even months, I'd say. Where, it's like the construction you know, you, project, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And it is a construction. That's it. It's, it's or architecture or it is construction. It's, it's physically doing something, physically building a collection. And that's something that I think until you've actually been through that, you can't really, um, you can't really have a good grasp of, of the, of that, of that process. Um, as you said, you know, finding a poem online and reading it, you know, um, we all do this. We've all got pots that we think, oh, that's a nice one. I really like that. Take 
mention of the name and look out for that name again. And, you know, you do have, as you said, a sense of maybe where that poet, poet might be at in their their work at, at, at present time. Um, I suppose all of us are a bit different with regards to how long a poem might take, how many drafts you might go through. I'm a pretty um, copious redrafter. Um, I spend quite a lot of time not being happy with things until I get to the point where I sort of think, oh, yeah, that, that might be able to be sent out into the world. Um, so I suppose, again, it was when I was doing the whole rearranging of the poet, poems on the floor and uh, physically moving them around, um, I wasn't happy with them for a very long time and it took me a while to uh, figure out an order that I thought uh, put the poems in the best light that they could be in, be seen in and be read in. Because, I mean, the other thing as well as with poetry, I mean, I, I do this all the time. I, I'm, I, I'm one of those people that just opens a page and sort of goes for whatever, you know, there's one in the middle, I'll start reading that. And then there's one at the front of the, the collection. I'll start with that. I might start with the one at the end. Um and I've read um, different people. I remember Omar Sakar, he had um, a tweet a while ago about that very process. He's like, oh, these people that just don't start at the beginning and read through because as a poet, you know, you spend so much time thinking about the order of work. And I think as well uh, with a lot of collections now, they're not so much, um, unless it's a first collection um, that's been informed by something very specific. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot more collections that are very themed. Uh, that seems to be something that I've noticed over the past ten, 10 years or so. Um, you know, it's almost more like a narrative. Um, Although there's still poems, of course, and within that narrative, you know, with poetry, you've got so much more freedom to be able to take uh, a narrative collection and, and transform it into something that, you know, looks at architecture in a different way or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, this, this so that, of course, because I didn't have, because this was, built up over a number of years. I didn't really have that, although there are, as you said, themes within the collection itself. Yeah. Well, um, one of the poems that hit me really hard immediately, I mean, you know, I, I also like to, I, I do tend to begin at the beginning and go to the end, um, but then I like to play. So in, you yes, know, it's like yeah. in the second reading or, you know, sometimes before I even start reading, um, and I love doing this with a book, you know, um, and you can't do this with an ebook. It's one of the things you lose when you are mm. with an electronic book. Um, I just kind yes. of like to play with the artifact itself, like look at what comes mm. first, look at the end, look at the acknowledgements, um, which I always like reading. Um, especially Me too. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and just get a sense for what the poems look like, um, you know, what, what the visual sense of it is. Mm. Um, but, but, you know, some of the poems hit you immediately, some of them come later, some of them come in the second reading, but one of the ones that hit me really, really hard uh, was the Judith Wright shortlisted poem, Thin Veil. Right. Um, 
and I noticed, so I, as I was researching for this, I, you know, I looked up the judge's comments and um, I noticed they mention it's set over a holiday weekend, but I've read mm. the poem like three or four times and I, I couldn't really see that, <laughs> which is fine because I really love, I love the ambiguity of the poem and I love that it doesn't, it doesn't tell us too much about the setting. You know, you can perceive things from what's happening in that context but you know i like that mm. it's not pat in that sense um it's more yeah. about the you know the subject and the and the pain that's happening through the poem but anyway can you read that and then feel free to talk about it yeah sure so this one's thin veil where's the bloody panadol clutch at your porcelain mug fingers white tipped numb the electric clock clatters round, a hummingbird caught on naked winter's bough. Turn the dial, pocket radio trawl, the holiday road toll, three dead, a shoal of, of gravel came to rest at the base of a ghost gum. The ch child's toy upchucked into bushes. You tread through bruised air, brush shivers of glass licking shadow, the river overflows, smell of flood and silt trapped, fingers that will not let go. SES volunteers move through rising fog, penumbral morning spans and stretches, reflective clothing thrumming. Wolf spiders balloon threads, webs jacket, rain sticks, never falling to the ground. You make the effort, a glass of water, the pills and down. Pick up melange, pieces of ribbon scrounged from old wrapping paper, photos of friends long gone, standing round drinking, watching some game, forget you are condemned. If only water could get deeper in, to warm the bones of the mind, deeper water rushing. You should try crawling, a child, the black diamond swirl of your life, you bleed those shapes. They come around. Go home. Look behind the blinds, curtains, paintings, to the walls, to the cracks in the walls, to the spider set behind, to the spider web behind the TV set, and never forget the dead. You carry them on your shoulders, wrapped around your waist and under your armpits. They don't say, Sometimes you don't notice them for weeks, then your arm will go numb. Someone has turned over a stone, exposed cold earth to sun. Thank you. And sorry for throwing you right into the heart of the <laughs> most intense poem in the book. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, again, this was the one that, went through many redrafts um, and uh, its shape changed, but mainly I think it was more the shape on the page. Um, you know, when you start moving things around and figuring out what the narrative of the actual poem is going to be. Um, and I was pleased with the way that it sort of came out in the end like when I finished it I sort of went mm, yeah I think that one's done where sometimes you feel like you can still fiddle with a, a work 
well after it's even, you know, there's some poems that sort of go, oh, yeah, I could change that line. I could put that there. I could, you know, move things around. So I was kind of happy with this one. But, yeah, it was it, – it's, it's the ennui of a, the long weekend where you've got maybe – too many thoughts, too much thought going on and and not enough to do. And it was just that process of, of imagining, you know, yourself or a character, imagining a person getting up with a headache, you know, that the sort of tension that you bring when you wake up in, in the morning and you've, you've got that headache already. Um, so I was taking that through and, and you know, this uh, is the – June, July, long weekend, or there's a long weekend in the middle of winter, and it's you know if it's raining, it's miserable. You've got three days, um, and so that's where it's the sort of the 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 feeling or the 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 process of, of the poem came about. But it's also just you know looking, you know I think when you get to a certain age, you've got the ability to look back on your life and to assess it. And I think we can be quite sort of judgmental, but critical of, of various things that have happened. And, you know, I, I was just trying to sort of put it in a, um, in a way that was looking more at the, the feeling behind that thought process. It wasn't actually about thinking about anything, one thing in particular, but just a, a series of images and let the images wash over you so you sort of you've got this idea of being you know of things just going by um so you know and it's i suppose yeah you know, i often dip back into t.s Eliot. i'm a big t.s Eliot fan so i i feel uh, his the way that he um gets his characters in the, the way that he um, has those emotions coming through his work. It's, it's very sort of, it's prescient, it's there, but it's also you feel like you can just read it and let it wash and it gets you into a particular state. Um, so that's cor kind of what, Correlative. Right, yeah, just trying to get into a particular state and that, you know, sometimes it's very hard to articulate how we feel about particular, you know, things and, mm. um, you know, the onset of three days of not having very much to do but it being cold and perhaps, um, you know, waking up with the radio and hearing something hor horrendous like, yes. you know, a road toll. And I love this um, whole notion, you know, of when we think about how much on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, how much kind of tragedy we're exposed to that isn't ours, you know, that doesn't directly change our lives in any way. And yet, you know, we're taking that in and carrying that around. Um, and and yeah. I love the way you pick that up so, you know, so beautifully in the context of this kind of um, this headache and pushing through a normal day, but, you know, with this tragedy yeah. kind of underlining what's going on, that the idea of carrying the dead. Yeah, and so there's the um, there's a, the other image there is the river overflowing, which I think was a few, quite a few years ago now. But you know the whole idea of you know listening to the the news bulletin and 
one minute it's a car crash, the next minute it's people taking their belongings out of their house after the, the, the river has, you know, gone down and having to pick through that sort of the carcass of their, the shell of their homes and, mm. and you know. Yes, and that the comes through. Furniture out. Yeah, really, really beautifully in the, in the book. Uh, and I'll, I think I might ask you about that in a bit as well because there is that. Yeah. Um, a couple of poems around the 2020 bushfires, which really, really hit home as well. Um, in fact, let's talk about that now. So, yeah. you know, the work is the work seems to me, even though you wrote it over a period of time, and maybe that's just where we are as a society right now, but it seems very current mm. to me. A lot of the themes are really um, very much themes that we're grappling with as humans. I mean, obviously, the climate yeah. crisis, uh, which is everywhere through the book, and um, and that yes. may not be new, but again, the 2020 bushfires as well. Mm. And and in particular, I'm thinking of the the two. There's kind of two poems. They're almost a set. I don't even know whether you wrote them together, but you put them together, and now they read yes. a set, which is etch a sketch, and then the kiss Gaia gave. Yeah. Yeah. So. Etch a sketch. So that was um, written. Uh, might have been before before the twenty twenty fires. But yeah, again, uh, I think living in this country and growing up, you know, you hear so many tales of you know people who have escaped with. I mean, not tales, real stories that have happened to people, and they become their stories. But um, Etch-a-Sketch is sort of an interesting one insofar as the framing of it is a child's toy, which um, you might remember Etch-a-Sketches. Um, I do. <laughs> you know, those red box with the two white um, knobs. It, I, I was never any good at using them. And they just, from memory, ended up in the bottom of some, you know, toy box or whatever and kids would pull it out invariably the screen would have the um, aluminum powder somehow still scratched across the underneath of the surface and you know you try to you try to do your drawing or whatever by turning the knobs and it would leave a trace there and you know be like you could never clear it completely once it had been chucked into the bottom of the um, the toy box and um, so the whole idea with this one was to try to sort of um, use that as a frame for the the narrative of the poem, which is kind, which is a, really looking a bit at the the whole colonial colonization of Australia um, through you know I've got a peacock there, which originally that. Peacock um, came from some reading of uh, Ned Kelly's mother and apparently on their house they had a peacock that was chained to the roof and she had it there because peacocks were apparently very good at letting people know that there were strangers coming onto the property and obviously they had harassed by police often. Um, so the peacock comes from that particular um uh, image, uh, but it's it's poem? a yeah sure. So this one's called Etch a Sketch, and it's got I'll just say it's got um, some pieces on it that are bracketed. 
and the brackets are supposed to separate it from the main text and it's uh, that relates to the actual drawing process of using an Etch-a-Sketch. Um, so this is Etch-a-Sketch. We found it, the house, down a jagged, unpaved road. The owner, recently widowed, coughed her warning. The peacock comes with a house. Lit the fresh burn, her next cigarette, floral nighty, open to a tongue of breeze. We took it because we were told such things could be bought and sold. But we were untested, untried, thermite. Draw the box, four walls and a roof. Then a frenzy of activity, grass turned elemental. The small electric mower pulled through its last gasp, a haze of rotary splutter. There were snake eggs, a Medusa's nest waiting for heat to burst them. Evenings fell a swoop, breeze wave smoke, wood tang, fire and coal. We ate from the pan. Your exclamation, this is star's end. Structure forms from powdered al aluminium and beads. First light, the sky broke, a candy cane swirl, thin steel wire taut as a guillotine. Magpies and currawongs picked over remains, solidified pan juice, discarded rinds, pieces of gristle. Before morning tea, the path baked through. I lay down, let small ants bite a lion of flesh. Moves the bar, the stylus scraping. I found you blowing flies from wet cracks, the corners of your mouth. We watched strawberry plants plat across wormed earth, woke to fat caterpillars feasting on budded leaves, tossed lyrics across the court of afternoons, the exposed interior. The fire ripped through late, no warning. The radios almost packed it in, its static lost to howling. The furnace sky bellowed, all these lines a palimpsest. We watched seething flames, tongues wild agape. The flames licked and hissed and climbed the two-headed Janus. Nothing is cold for long. Leaving us and the animals panting. Everything, everywhere, burning. Remains rendered and reformed. When we returned, the trees were black and ash. The peacock only came after wrangling. All that was left was an X-ray, the mackerel sky churned to dust, even light had melted, broken its back against the flame. Such a powerful poem. It's that one. And I really love it. And I, I'm not sure that it's possible. I mean, it, you read it beautifully, but it's not, I'm not sure it's possible to get the sense of the duality of the Etch-a-Sketch combined with the image of you know yeah. picking through the remains of the you know this dream home and those yeah, two things yeah. juxtaposed and really um it, it's really quite complex and yet very powerful and you know that complexity it almost happens structurally through the work hmm. you do that a lot i find and in it, this book 
Yeah. Um, it's certainly something that I've worked on. And I think that's what, when you've worked on a, a piece for a while, you do tend to, to look for those heightened elements. So you can, you know, you can, there's something else there. You can go back, you can reread it. There's a, there's a comfort that you've already understood, you know, a certain amount, but then there's something more you can gain from a, a reread. Um, because I think that's what I like when I read a poem. That's I, I like to see if there's another way to encounter it, whether it's just, you know, leave it for a while and come back and, and reread it and go, oh, well, I hadn't I hadn't seen that image before. I didn't think about it that way. I think with poetry, it just it's, it's, it's like a, a good wine, really, isn't it? It, it gets better the more you come back to something, if it's, if it's taking your fancy, if it's taking your interest. Mm. Um, and I, I continually go back to some of my favourite works just because they're just, they allow for that. Yeah, even that, like the parataxis, you know, the, the fact, irrespective of the poem itself, that you've put these two things together this, this discarded, effectively discarded. I mean, I'm not sure. I guess you can probably go into Kmart now and buy an Etch-a-Sketch. haven't seen them for a while, but it's yeah. probably like, to my mind, it's like a yeah. toy from the past. And so there's yes, a sense yeah. of loss, the lost childhood, the lost past, the lost house, the way, you know, almost yeah. invariably when you work with an Etch-a-Sketch, you're creating a house on it because it's always a house. You are. Yeah, because that's all you seem to be yeah. able to do, right? It goes straight lines, so you do the. the I I just think of yeah. etch a sketch yeah. as a house, and so those two things coming together yes. like that is just like, whew, you know, that's a. It's really um, it's really quite powerful. All right, I'm gonna we're we're running out of time already, but um, I'm gonna get you to read one more poem, and I'm, I want you to read if you would the next one because I feel like again, sure, you know, I've written them together, but I feel like the way you've positioned these two poems in the book, yes. um, the kiss guy gave is, you know, very much informed by the fact that it follows on from Etch-a-Sketch. Yes. So this is the kiss guy gave. It's time to make skeletons from creatures, time to take bones and bake the mint bracelets. Soon this will be the only thing left to us. It's time to name remains, a frame that held a wedding photo a crack of a kitchen plate, a twist of metal belonging to the bike, the wreck of old iron that still held an imprint of a hoof. Animals lined to give up their blood. A koala died clawing at a post. A black snake cooked inside its hole. The joey hopped to fly find blue sky, but even she could not outrun this famished sun. Smoke, a descending parabola, moves with a chorus of thunder. The kiss Gaia gave Kronos when she placed the sharpened sickle in his hand before he cut off his father's sack, gave earth with rich seed. Again, the, the just juxtaposition, you know, of this mythology with the very concrete um, sense of, you know, what it was like through that whole bushfire um, mm. scenario. It just brings it right back. It's cold and wet today, but I feel the heat rising off the page. Mm. <laughs> it's really, really wonderful. 
Um, okay, so tell me just a little bit uh, before we finish up, I really want to hear a little bit more about your 2021 Sydney Observatory Residency Program. So exciting. Oh, yes. Yes. And then, yeah, that it's been great. I'm, I was so lucky because my um, three months residency, I actually managed to go to the observatory and um, uh, really, really sorry for the people that haven't managed to do that. Um, it was a wonderful opportunity to just go and hang out in this space and no talk to people whose jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Talk space. to people whose jobs were looking in, into into the sky and um you know hearing all the wonderful stories about the building itself um and also too just um speaking with a few of the other people that were there and and what works they were producing because it's it's not just residencies for um writers it's residencies for um visual artists uh people who uh have um, science backgrounds and are doing you know um various types of uh, research as well so there's historians so it, it's a really uh, fantastic opportunity and um, my project for for um, the residency was looking at um, the nocturne so looking at the nocturne from John Dunn through um, you know anyone can basically Lots of poets have written nocturnes. It's just really the the subject matter of the poem, which happens to be either written at night or looking at the the night sky or looking at society that happens at night. So um, you know, it's it's quite. I think it's also something that's with modernity that you get more nocturnes. You know, because we're out and about and um, cities have active lives at night. So, you know, um, it's just sort of looking at that and also obviously um, using some of the research uh, to look at um, celestial bodies, which is also something that poets like to do. Yeah. <laughs> look at up at the stars. Yeah. No, it's, been fantastic and um so i'm hoping to produce a manuscript from that i've got um probably about 10 poems so far um Brilliant. so just in the process again yeah you do have one poem in the collection that i almost you know it, it almost would lead into that that's i'm thinking of the expanding yes. universe yes which yeah. is i guess your own and <laughs> yeah and that was one of the poems that i sent off to um for the residency just mm -hmm. to sort of say you know this is the direction I'd like to go in. So um, that was handy that I actually had that one. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I might get you to just read that and we'll finish on that one. Sure. Sure. Let's go to that one. So. The expanding universe. The deep dark of mushroom clouds below the belly of a Boeing 737 737-800. The passenger takes a picture and tweets it, praise for the folk lodged in the teeth of it. The passenger on flight VA935 from Sydney to Brisbane watches a YouTube video as a golden record is attached to a craft and launched into space. The passenger sees a complete flybys of Jupiter, Saturn, 
and Saturn's largest moon. The passenger watches pictures of storms, magnetic fields, data points for cosmic radiation, images of the moons, a dirty grey snow spilling across the screen, sees the most distant thing humans ever made, this message board cast into space. This from a small, distant world. We are attempting to survive our time so that we may live into yours. Looks down at the vast, thick shroud. Reads about the folk holding fast in the flames. An image of a metallic body engulfed. Such thin material in which to hold a soul, birds, whales, Laurie Spiegel, atomically correct male and female. Our thoughts and prayers, this burning orca. Thank you, Kate. That's going to be an amazing book. I can't wait to, to read it. Um, so thank you so much for joining me. And, and just uh, before we finish off, um, how do people get hold of a copy of Come the Bones? Can they just message you or? What, yeah, what, what message me is show? probably. Yeah, just thanks, thank Maggie. Yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, via Instagram or Facebook or Brilliant. just email. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much for talking to me today. That's all we have time for, but um, it's been brilliant. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Maggie.